Did you hear? This is your Johnson County Library Insider. And now, our monthly must-knows. Here's the episode's call number. 649.1, Parenting. This call number includes materials on topics like child development, psychology, play, and education. We present your word of the month. Ephemeral, lasting for a short time or fleeting, often used to describe things remembered fondly. Here are numbers you should know. Six. The Johnson County Libraries highlight the following six early literacy skills children should learn by age six to prepare for reading. Have fun with books, notice print everywhere, talk, 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 look for letters everywhere, tell stories about everything, and take time to rhyme. In addition to our story times and other youth programs, the library has 58 different themes of books to go kits available for checkout to support parents and caregivers. Welcome back to Did You Hear? Now, I know some of you are probably thinking to yourself, that's not the sweet voice of Dave Carson that I've come to know and love. (laughs) Well, for you sharp-eared listeners, you are correct. As we move forward with the show, we wanted to give everyone a chance to sit in the hot seat. So this month, you have Charles in charge. But not to fear, (laughs) Dave's still right here. Right, Dave? My laugh is, at least. (laughs) And we have some other jovial co-hosts on as well. We'll hear from them in just a minute. But first, I wanted to introduce this month's theme. Uh, This month, we're talking about parents as teachers. And when discussing the theme for the show, it quickly became apparent that each of us has a different approach and different perspective on that theme. And I'd like to bring in my co-hosts here to talk about that theme and how how it connects to them. So how about everybody introduce yourself and uh, say a little bit about how you connected with the theme this month. Let's go over to Shannon. Hi, everybody. Um, Well, as far as how I connected uh, with the theme this month, I'm a parent myself, um, but I also grew up with a mother who was an educator and was an amazing role model for me as a teacher, her patience, and um, just how she was able to explain things and help me learn. It's not a skill I possess myself. (laughs) With my own um, children, I tend to lack that patience. I'm much more a, you know, what's three by three? It's nine. It's nine, everybody. You know, let's (laughs) keep moving, keep moving. But um, She was a great uh, role model for me as to how a parent could also work as a teacher. Yeah. How about about you, Dave? You have... Yeah, you know, I've I've given this a lot of thought. And, you know, for anyone that's ever been a a parent, you know, you, you think about parents as teachers. As soon as that little bundle of joy comes into the world, your your whole world changes. You you immediately take on a role to make sure that this ship doesn't head for the rocks, right? And and stays away from stormy waters. And so immediately you are 
a, a, a child's guide. You are an educator. Um, you're their caretaker. And so when I think about parents as teachers, I think people can sometimes think about, you know, a real formal role of, of a parent as a teacher. And I think that's part of what we're talking about, but it's not entirely what we're talking about today. I think we're talking about how parents can be involved in the education of their child. And, and that makes for a, a really um, broad net for us to have all kinds of fish. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and Jack, do you, how, how are you approaching the theme this month? Yeah, you know, for me, it's interesting. Uh, I don't have kids myself or anything, or even really any young kids in the family. So the thing that was interesting about this uh, was coming from the adult services side and someone that works at the library, you know, really getting more of an inside view on the kinds of programming we offer and kind of more context around that. I think is helpful as an IS person sometimes, right? Because we maintain this division between IS, YS. So for me, it was good to be rounding out my uh, librarian skills at JCL. So I'll, I'll chime in with mine too. Um, I, I also approach it. I have two young pre-elementary kids at home, um, one born in 2020, and she is learning to walk and, and learning to talk. And then my son is, uh, is going to be four this year. So um, he is <laughs> a bundle of energy. And I approached it kind of thinking about them and since he's going to be four, getting ready for schools to start soon, what kinds of things that we do to prepare him for that more formal education and um, build those skills in the really young ones, too. So, yeah. Does he uh, have his first library card yet? Not yet. He has asked for it. Uh, and we kind of we talked about it, but I think we're going to wait just a little bit longer. And he until he uh oh just <laughs> wait a couple more years yeah it's a big responsibility it is. it is yeah but you want to make sure you get one that has the uh, has uh the six by six characters on them uh, because um i don't know if you know this they're going away we're oh, getting I, new library. Oh, get it while you can. <laughs> new library cards, but for the folks that are, are fans of those six by six characters, um, the new cards um, will have six by six stickers, so you can stickerify your library card. You can still get that goat. That's <laughs> <laughs> the, the the goat afloat in a boat wearing a coat eating oats. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a moat. Yeah, that I think that's his favorite. He, my son loves to rhyme, so that's, <laughs> that would be the one for him. Um, well, I think that's that's a pretty good overview of our theme. If that didn't clarify it for all of you listening out there, then maybe just reflect on as you hear uh, as you hear the rest of the episode. Just think about the different themes and and what parents as teachers might mean to you. So, I. Dave, you had a, a conversation this week with about that. Why don't, why don't you tell us what conversation you had? Yeah, I, I sure did. I, I talked to Carol, uh, I'm sorry, not Carol, Cheryl Vauder, um, and she is the Parents as Teachers Coordinator uh, for the Gardner-Edgerton School District. 
And uh, what's what's uh, interesting about uh, this story is this is more of the formal side. And so if you're a young parent or if you know any young parents, um, you know, think about this. It's like that little bundle of joy comes into the world. And do you know where all the resources are to begin early uh, literacy, early childhood education? She has some really great suggestions. So I have with me Carol Vodder, uh, who is a coordinator for Parents as Teachers uh, for the Gardner School District. Uh, hi, Carol. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks, David. I'm happy to it's, be here. It's it's Gardner, right? And, and yes. it's not the entire job. Okay. Um, uh, yes, it's and, USD 231, Gardner Parents as Teachers. And so what's going on down in Gardner is also happening all over the county, all over the state, really, right? Correct. Yes. Can, yeah. can you just let's? I think that's a good place to start. Just give us an overview of what the Parents as Teachers program is and how it's available to all parents throughout the state. Sure. Uh, parents as Teachers has is a national program. Um, we are a very fun and free early learning program for parents with children from birth to age three, and sometimes to age five, depending on your school district services. So we recognize that parents are their child's first and most important teacher. And we come alongside those parents um, and help them to enhance their understanding of their child's development. We help them with providing parent-child activities. We do screenings. Uh, we connect them to other resources in the district, and per perhaps their child needs additional services. So we are that um, organization in the community. That's that's so great, and and as you you know, and and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know that uh, the Johnson County Library really tries to uh, have an emphasis on early childhood education, especially early literacy. And uh, that's right in line with what, what you're doing, but it's not just literacy for you, right? Correct. It is not. Um, although this year during um, the restrictions that we've had to operate under, we've really taken it seriously to focus our, what normally would be play groups are now story times um, virtually and we're really focused on literacy and our story times that we do each month. Um, but uh, we try to partner with our local library in any way that we can. And then we add on to the literacy by all the other areas of child development, um, social, emotional development. Development is another important piece as well. And then making sure that we're tracking the areas of development as far as language, um, let's see, motor skills, fine motor skills, gross motor skills. Um, we are working on all those areas each time that we meet with families. So I imagine that there were a number of challenges with uh, COVID, but maybe an equal ongoing challenge for you is just making sure that Parents that really need this service, that 
probably don't know about it. Just getting them aware. How, how do you do that? And, and is, is that a problem? Well, it's certainly been a challenge. And um, that is something that we're working on is upgrading how visible we are virtually in our community because we haven't been able to do those community outreach settings, you know, like uh, participating in the, the story time at the library or in a, in a community event. Um, so we're, we're working on upgrading our virtual presence and, uh, we also rely on word of mouth from families that are in the program. That's another way. And then, uh, we try to partner with our local, uh, hospital birth center, uh, breastfeeding, uh, support groups and doctor's offices. Great. I, I have always said that uh, go to where the people are. Identify who your audience is and figure out where they they are. And that's the best way to get your message to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming on a show like the Did You Hear podcast for the library is not a bad way to do it either. Yes. Um, Thank you. To, to, to close us out, uh, if there are listeners out there that they're having this eureka moment and they said, hey, that's me, um, mm-hmm. where can we send them? Yes. Please go to, in, if you're in the Gardner community, you go to our USD 231 website and under the menu, you click on for parents and just scroll down to the parents as teachers program. That will take you to a place where you can enroll online. And then I would say for any other school district, you would do the same. Go to your school district website and um, search out parents as teachers that is sound advice and i thank you so much carol for your time today and and telling us all about the uh early education program parents as teachers yes parents as teachers thank you david so much yeah so those resources are really important and so valuable to young parents. Um, and, you know, Charles, you had a story about homeschooling and home learning, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I actually got to talk to one of the members of our homeschool group here at the library. For those of you who weren't aware, we have a, a homeschool group with resources for homeschooling. But I was wanting to kind of have a, a little bit of a conversation Uh, with Tammy Thomas from our homeschool group about how how parents that may not be homeschooling but may have had to keep their kids home um, due to the pandemic how how they might have incorporated more home learning or that kind of homeschooling that uh, that everybody's been kind of dealing with the last year learn a little bit more about that process so this I uh I got to talk to her, and it was a pretty cool conversation. Hi, and I am here today with Tammy from the Johnson County Libraries. Tammy, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us all a little bit about what you do for the libraries? Uh, Hi, yeah, I am Tammy, and I am a youth information specialist at the Lenexa City Center Library. So I uh, work with 
kids, birth to 18, and as well as their caregivers and anyone that supports them. So helping them find materials and resources in the library. Very cool. Okay. So within that position, uh, the reason that I was wanting to reach out to you specifically uh, within the library system was because you work with homeschooling. Isn't, is that correct? Yes. Um, we began an idea a little over a year ago to uh, try to host a homeschooling conference uh, with the library. Um, and then, you know, plans changed when we had a, had a pandemic hit. So <laughs> um, the homeschooling committee has kind of shifted gears and, and trying to regroup and figure out how we can uh, better serve our patrons. Um, we just uh, completed a survey that went out to homeschoolers throughout the area um, to, to get an idea of what, what library resources they use currently and what kind of things might be useful for them in the future. Okay. And, and how big is the committee that, that you have together there working on this? Is it, is it all the youth service group that's, that's working on it or are you one know, of the have, select handful? <laughs> we have a, a committee of about five of us that are working on it right now. Okay. All right. Uh, so, so how, has that survey gone? Are there any anything that you can share with us about uh, takeaways that you've already noticed from what the community is asking for? Yes, uh, the survey went really well. We had uh, over a hundred people respond to the survey, so that was exciting. Um, we learned that. Um, Lenexa City Center Library and Central Resource are some of our most commonly used branches for homeschoolers, um, but they are definitely spread out throughout the system. Um, we learned that um, parents are definitely looking for support with programming around arts and STEM related resources. And that in general, they just want to get, get out and meet other homeschoolers and be able to connect with, with other people in the community. Yeah. That, that seems important, building a community of, of all of our patrons and, and connecting them to other people that are also homeschooling. That That's really cool. Uh, so I, I had another question along similar lines. You were saying across the whole library system, we have people, even people who are homeschooling. Um, for people who aren't homeschooling, do we do any any specific outreach or do we just have any suggestions of ways to that we can also support the learning of their students if they're they're not doing homeschooling specifically yeah that's a good question um we have a lot of great resources for anyone supporting supporting their learners in our community um if you look on our kids um page on our website you'll find uh links to homework help that can, you know, has a whole bunch of different uh, databases and resources from online tutoring to, um, I think, Culturegrams is one of the favorites for, um, if you're studying geography, you can actually see videos and recipes from around the world. Hmm. Um, that sounds another, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one is for that uh, last minute 
you know, assignment that, that you have to write about a person. I, I, a favorite one to go to is a biography and context by Gail resources. And when you just can't find the book at your local branch, you can at least get online and, and get some more information. Right. Cool. Okay. Uh, so, so one of the, the main themes that we are trying to unravel in this specific episode of the podcast is kind of what is homeschooling, what is home learning, especially in the era of COVID um, that's impacted so many parents' lives in, in how they interact with their children's education. What is your kind of takeaway on on that question of homeschooling versus home learning or other types of supports. How do you see that divide in your mind and, and what kind of things parents can do? Right. Um, well, I am a homeschooler and have been for um, about nine years now. So um, I come at it from, from that side. Um, there are a lot of different ways that people homeschool. Um, some people homeschool using a virtual public school through the state of Kansas. So they're basically taking that public school experience and, do, and doing it from home. Um, there are people that, you know, might want to kind of create a whole school experience at home. They might work kind of the same hours and, and go through all of that. And there are other people that take a more relaxed or varied approach and focus in on interests of their kids or, um, you know, especially I know, I know some people that their kids do competitive sports and they need to travel, yeah. you know, they need at a high level. So they've chosen homeschooling so that they can be more flexible with that schedule. Yeah. Um, and there are people that take to road schooling, which is fun to, I like to read about that when uh, people <laughs> Hop in an RV and hop in an RV and go across the country and uh, make that into a learning adventure. So there's a lot of different ways um, and philosophies of homeschooling um, that you can make it work. Um, I think I the COVID homeschooling that (laughs) kind of got forced upon upon people last year. I'm sure that was very stressful for a lot of people, um, putting putting a whole lot of pressure on you all at once and in a big change. So I know how difficult that must have been, and um, I hope people found found good resources and support from the library and from other homeschoolers um, in in the community. So yeah, yeah, and I, I know that's one of the big things we were we have been doing throughout. Uh, is trying to transition programs online and and trying to make sure that we are putting out resources through our website. There, um, I know lists of, of materials have been created. Did you have any specific ones on on our website that you that you've high that you could highlight for us? Yeah, a great place if you are uh, a homeschooler in the area, or if you just kind of want to see what types of information that, you know, homeschoolers are interested in uh, would be to look for the homeschool guide um, as a list in our catalog. And you'll see the homeschool guide for the Johnson County, Kansas area. And we've got all kinds of resources there to kind of point you to 
both library resources and community resources for, for homeschoolers. So I think that shows a little bit about the homeschool group that we have. And I know we touched on a couple of those those programs and resources, uh, but I think, Jack, you, you talked to somebody that's actually associated with the homeschool group that is running a different kind of program. Is, is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's right. So I talked to Carrie Worth, lead YS at Monticello, uh, about our walk and read programming. So not as much about homeschooling, but really in the same vein of, you know, during the pandemic, which JCL programs are really coming to the fore? And like, what is it that even we were doing before that has suddenly like gained new relevance? And one of those things is like outdoor programming, right? And outdoor well-ventilated spaces. So uh, Carrie and I had a nice chat about JCL's walk and read offerings. Uh, give it a listen. So, uh, hi everybody. I am joined by Carrie Wirth, who is the lead youth librarian at the Monticello branch. Uh, Carrie and I are coworkers from a couple of years ago, although I have since uh, moved on to the Lenexa branch. Carrie, how is Monticello doing these days? Oh, it's doing really well. Um, traffic's starting to pick up. More and more patrons are coming in. Uh, it's exciting to see uh, just how necessary the library is. And even though, you know, we all feel that way, it's great to have um, the patrons come in. So, yeah, like speaking as a Lenexa person, um, yeah, it's been kind of crazy because there's this uh, whole new building with all this like crazy like art and it's cool. Uh, but then, of course, we had to shut it down pretty soon after opening it up, which is a similar story with Monticello. And like, it's sad, like, right? Like, we want all our libraries open back up and hopefully, like, with the pace of vaccination, that's something that'll start happening yeah, here in the next couple of months, hopefully. Yeah. 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 Oh, I know. And you guys shut down even, I mean, you were only open, uh, you were open less than a year, weren't you? Yeah. Something like, I mean, yeah, yeah. We didn't even hit the year mark. I think it was over the summer. So something like eight, yeah. 10 months or something. And then we closed down. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. But anyway, I mean, so uh, in the meantime, right, things keep churning on at the library uh, and we're still doing programming, right? Even if it's virtual or outside socially distanced programming. So yeah. we're here to talk today a little bit about the about the uh, Walk and Read program uh, with which you are involved. I mean, can you tell me a little bit about what Walk and Read is and what the different things are that the Johnson County Library offers in that area? Sure. The um, Walk and Read program, it used to be more of a Walk and Read event, which we would do over a weekend. And we would have, uh, we could have some vendors there and um, we even had volunteers, some teen volunteers dress up a few times. But the it changed when we um, decided to continue the walk and read, but we didn't obviously want groups of people gathering. So we went for a more um, passive event and decided that if we kept the signs, the walk and read out longer, which I'll explain what that is in just a second, we um, could have families go to trails at different parks throughout Johnson County and be able to read a story and still social distance. So the walk and read is we take uh, signs and we place books in them, stories in them, storyboards. And we have two stories, one on each side. So you can go into a loop 
and read one story one direction and another story the other direction. And they're mostly for kids, but we try to pick stories that are interesting for the whole family. Uh, We make sure that the trail is easily accessible with strollers and wheelchairs. Um, And it is a great opportunity to get outside and uh, with your family and go for a walk. So that is basically what the walk and read is. That's very cool. And is this something that's really starting to like ramp up now that the weather's starting to finally get a little nicer and so on? I mean, have we been doing this throughout the pandemic? Like what is what is the level of, yeah. of programming we've been offering here? And like what's what's going to start to open up over the next couple of months here? Oh, that's not, uh, yes. So Walk and Read was, let's see, when it first got started, it, we did one event during the spring and one event during the fall. Last summer, we... Uh, you know, in changing everything, put a committee together and we offered seven walk and reads in, I want to say four different cities uh, during the summer. And it went over really well. They were, um, we, the feedback was people were looking for them and asking for them to stay up longer. So what we decided to do this year is, and obviously they're outdoors. So we mostly offer them during the summer. This summer, or this spring actually, starting in May, we are going to be offering 21 walk and reads in a row, 20 to 21. We're working on one week. Uh, We bought a second set of signs so that we are able to have a walk and read posted somewhere in the city for 18 weeks straight. Um, Or not city, I'm sorry, somewhere in the county for 18 weeks Mm. straight. on every single day. And most weekends will have the, uh, you'll have the opportunity to go to two different parks throughout the County. So we will be placing signs in a park on a Friday. They will stay up through the following weekend. So they will be up for 10 days straight. The signs will come back and we will take them apart on Tuesday put the new books in them on Thursday and set them up at a new park that Friday. And we will just do this with every other set of signs or the set of signs every week um, to keep them up and going so that you will have access to stories, any park in Johnson County throughout the summer and um, through the last week of September, actually. We, we hope to continue this through the next summer because it is the program is great because it's passive. Um, it is a passive program. However, it is also a fantastic uh, way for Johnson County to reach kids that maybe wouldn't go into the library and uh, for them to read and see stories and get interested. It's also a great way for families to do something together because it's kind of exciting for the parents to take the kids to the park or the grandparents or the nanny for that matter. So um, it is kind of interesting in the fact that uh, we will probably continue this. I don't think we'll do 21 weeks because I think that was a little extensive. You don't need to put that in there, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, we probably won't do 21 weeks, but it's definitely a program that will continue on to next year. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, glad to hear that people are really enjoying that. I mean, do you think that um, is just a question I have really like, um, I don't know. I mean, have you heard any like interesting stories or like anecdotes about this like really spurring 
sort of reading in young kids, right? I know that's a struggle, right? If you're a parent is getting your kids to read and not be on their like smartphone or do whatever you know else that, it is that they're uh, doing. You know, when they're outside walking, it's hard to be on your phone and walk. So that does help them focus on the story and getting outdoors. Um, because it's mostly for, you know, it, uh, the, the main age that we tend to hit is, um, you know, four-year-olds or uh, even three-year-olds, I would say, through eight-year-olds. So most of those kids are still very excited about the reading and the stories, and they have the energy to do that walk. And if anything, it helps the parents, uh, the, um, you know, them get rid of some energy and uh, burn some energy while they're out there. So uh, it's it's mostly just because it gives family time. It gives family time because the kids aren't out there reading these poems on their own. The parents have to get or the stories on their own. The parents have to get them to the park. It gives them the reason to walk the whole length. Um, it's time consuming, which, uh, you know, especially last summer, uh, parents were looking for anything to get their kids to actually do some activities and do something. So um, I think it was helpful in that most of our feedback, and it is hard to get feedback from the walk and read, uh, but most of our feedback is just people saying, okay, where's your next one? Or, oh, I wish that had stayed up longer. Um, oh, my gosh, what a great idea. Are you going to do more of these? That and that's the kind of thing you want to hear, right? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And that's great. I mean, we, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> we have to finish out this year, right? I mean, yeah. we're, you know, right through the spring and through the summer, and we're hoping by like late summer, early fall, you know, life starts to return to a little more uh, normalcy. And in the meantime, right, I mean, this is going to be the summer still again of, getting outside, doing things outside, especially for kids. So it's really extraordinary that you all are doing that and have found this way to really offer this intensive kind of still socially distanced programming outside. Uh, so it's very great to hear that we have that available. Uh, Carrie Worth, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, welcome back to the main part of the show, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that little conversation. Uh, yeah, so to round out our little segments today, uh, we're heading back to Dave. Dave, you had an interesting conversation about mental health resources, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. I talked to uh, Sierra Wright. Uh, she's a team leader and a clinician for the uh, Child and Family Services Division of Johnson County Mental Health Care. And so what our conversation is really about is, you know, thinking about the mental uh the mental health uh, aspect of, you know, ch child learners and especially having gone through COVID, having um, really changed the way that we've approached learning with distance learning and now returning to classrooms and, um, you know, just dealing with anxiety and all of those types of issues. So she had a lot to say about that. So I am here with Sierra Wright, who is a team leader uh, for Johnson County Mental Health Center, and her team specializes in providing mental health services for youth and families involved in juvenile justice system. Um, Sierra, how are you today? I'm doing well, David. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. Um Listen, uh, what do parents who want to 
stay involved in their children's education or even want to get more involved with are, are, are there mental health considerations? I, I know that since kids uh, were staying um, home for a long time, that created all kinds of uh, new responsibilities for, for parents. And I'm just wondering what we need to know about kids having gone through COVID, um, having experienced remote learning and adapting to what will be a new normal. Definitely. So I think, David, what we know is that just like many of us um, as adults who experienced, you know, some unknowns and anxiety during the pandemic, uh, children and teens especially experienced that very same um, anxiety and sometimes depression. And as you mentioned, you know, school really pivoting from kind of the traditional style of being, you know, in person all the time to then going back to, or to then switching to remote learning um, really created some, I think, isolation um, for our our teens and um, kids out there. And I think what's important for parents to remember first and foremost, you know, is that kids are really resilient, um, meaning that they can bounce back, but it's mm-hmm. important as parents for us to be able to, to check in with our kids and to kind of know where our kids are at. And sometimes, you know, that can be, or that can seem like a really daunting thing, but I think you know, being in tune with your child and kind of what's uh, what's within their norm and noticing any changes outside of that um, are going to be really important cues for us to look for and to know when we maybe need to intervene um, more or less, depending upon what's going on for our child. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you use the word resilient um, yeah. because I, I I've heard that so much that you know kids kids are resilient and the yeah. answer as you said is to to really talk to your kids. You know it, what I might what I might say to that is that you know I think you're you're absolutely right, David, and I think um, I think the most important thing that we can all do, um, parents and and children included, and teachers, right, when we're talking about schools, is giving ourselves grace and knowing that we may not do things perfectly or ask the exact right question, and that's okay. But what what we want our kids to walk away from is just having this sense and feeling that, hey, my parent cares about me. Um, And so it may not be that, you know, you ask this ideal question that, you know, opens up, um, you know, and, and your child starts sharing all this information with you. But really, you know, we just want to get to that sense of your your child being able to feel like, hey, my mom's asking me, my mom or dad are asking me these questions. And from that, I can tell that, you know, they're trying to get to know me more and they want to know, you know, what's going on with me and, and they do care. So, what what happens if we uncover some you know um, some trouble and yeah. it's beyond the parents' ability to help? What, what what do parents do then? That's a really great great question, David. And I would say um, one of the most important things is as yourself as the parent to also remain calm, you know, during that conversation um, because we know that if we can have a really adverse reaction to something that could lead to our child shutting down. Um, So, you know, continuing to ask questions and and ask um, kind of just in a 
a curious way um, and, you know, maybe asking them questions about how long have you been feeling this way? Um, and, you know, just even validating those experiences. And if you're noticing something, you know, concerning, like you had mentioned, I think one of the most important things is to, um, like I said, validate that, but also let them know that you're here to help and you may not have the answers yourself, but you're going to help them get connected with someone um, who can, who can better help them. And, you know, thanking them for, you know, being willing to share with you um, what's going on with them and just reiterating how much you do care. Yeah, we made it. We made it to the end of another great episode. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to us today. Thank you to everybody, all my co-hosts here. Thanks for letting letting me sit in, in the driver's seat here. Um, captain's chair. Captain's chair. Make <laughs> well it done, a great job, Captain Charles. Charles. <laughs> yeah, Charles, you you were indeed in charge. <laughs> Well, is that your is that your favorite um, sitcom? By the way, I did dress up as Charles from Charles in Charge one year for Halloween. Dyed my hair black, wore suspenders. <laughs> can uh, we make that the like thumbnail for the podcast? Or oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we'll we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for for putting up with me in charge here, and thank you all for listening to us let's go to everybody's favorite part the ending and all of the bonus features we end today's show with another installment of in search of paul rudd last time on in search of paul rudd I've never spoken to Paul Rudd. I would, uh, I'd love to talk to Paul Rudd, but um, it's probably never going to happen. It's probably never going to happen. It's probably never going to happen. It's probably never, probably never going to happen. Never going to happen. Hey, this is Dave. There are no links that I will not go to until this conquest is over, and so that has brought me to Strang Hall, and I'm here because it's a saying, right? If you don't know, ask your sister. Is that true? <laughs> tell, tell the people who you are. I am your older, yet not bigger sister. <laughs> okay, and, and you have a name? Oh, my name is Nancy. See, I, I knew that, but the people out there needed to know. <laughs> that is true. Okay, so do you know why I'm why I'm here? Why we're here? Yes, we're here looking for the elusive Paul Rudd. So the big question is, do you have Paul Rudd's phone number? I do not. Do you have his email address? I do not. Okay, well, so... Here's the thing. So he went to KU, and uh, you went to KU, and uh, he graduated in 1987, and you graduated in 1987, uh-huh. and so not from KU, from high school. From high school, <laughs> right? And this, and so from the area. So did you ever see him at uh, 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 in Lawrence? You know, there were only like 
27,000 students at KU that year, but... Yeah, but only one of them looks like Paul Rudd. That's true. <laughs> I believe that the night that uh, the Jayhawks won the national championship, uh, I might have seen him in the crowd up on Wesco Beach on Jayhawk Boulevard. Hmm. Okay. And did you guys uh, exchange digits at that point? No, I think that maybe we poured beer on each other or I sold a beer, something like that. So um, growing up, you know, uh, when I was in forensics, I used to go to tournaments and he'd be at the forensics tournaments. Yes. But somehow you got it in your head. He's your nemesis. (laughs) Your nemesis. Right. That he's my nemesis. And that, uh, yes, and the the only difference between his life and and my life is... Winning nationals. (laughs) You watch the movies now and you're like, oh, that could be me. But you see, I'm 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 really comfortable with the fact that that was not going to be me, um, and I think the man has made like 72 movies. So, right. okay. So speaking of that, do you ha- do you have a favorite Paul Rudd movie? Uh, probably Horrible Bosses. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, some of my favorite movies of his are probably the ones that he, he doesn't star in, you know, like uh, his role in uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Do you Yes. That? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was good stuff. Um, so do, do you have any advice in this uh, pursuit of Paul Rudd? Well, what we've been doing so far is not working. Like, he's not here at String Hall, obviously. <laughs> we did go to Kansas Hall uh, the night before Thanksgiving, before the Rona, and we thought we saw him. Right. So to fill people in, uh, <laughs> there was somebody, somebody that looked like they were incognito. They had a hat, they had sunglasses, and they had a big old beard and a trench coat. Yeah. And guards around him, apparently. Yeah. Yes. And so um, after further consideration, I think it was uh, a real beard. <laughs> so, and he may not have had anything to do with those people. And you were like, that's Paul Rudd. That's well, Paul he's, Rudd. he's, he's from the area. And so from what I've heard is that he sometimes, uh, will go to the Taco Villa. Him and I think Rob Riggle, or maybe it's, it's David Sudeikis, but for yeah. some reason they get that craving for Taco Villa. What do you think of that? Oh yeah, you got You got to get the nacho with the peppers. Uh-huh. Yeah. So would you think it would be a, a good idea for me to stake out the Taco Villa? <laughs> not for your health, no, probably not. <laughs> hmm, well, I, I can't stop here. I have to keep going. So is there, is there something you can offer to help me in my pursuit of Paul Rudd? I would suggest uh, going to a kegger at his mom's house. <laughs> I don't know that I've been invited to that. <laughs> and so d- d- is there anyone, any phone number that you can give me? Anyone I can call? You could try looking up maybe his mom. No. (laughs) I draw the line on that. And the easy route would be to contact his agent, but I refuse to go. No, no, we've got to go the hard road. What if we look for like Sudeikis or Riggle or um, Eric Stone Street or someone like that, and maybe that's an in? That's as difficult as finding Paul Rudd. I don't know how that's a good idea. But seriously, 
I, I know that you have some information, so just just any number. Give me a number. What's the next lead? I think you've got a call. Five. I'm on it. you hear is a production of Johnson County Library in Johnson County, Kansas, USA. Find new episodes each month on our website, jocolibrary.org, and older episodes at jocolibrary.org slash didyouhear. You can subscribe to the Did You Hear podcast from our streaming home, jocolibrary.podbean.com, or search for Joco Library or Did You Hear at your favorite podcast streaming service. Also, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash jocolibrary, on Twitter at jocolibrary, on Instagram, instagram.com slash jocolibrary, and check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash jocolibrary. We'd love to hear from you via email. Write to us at didyouhear at jocolibrary.org. Hear a brand new episode on the first of next month. Thanks for listening.